progress. Okay, so we're up to Daf Kuf Aleph Ahmed Aleph, <coughs> second line. So just to review, the Mishnah had listed women that don't have aksuba. So the Mishnah listed that a woman who does mian doesn't have aksuba because she initiated uh, the end of her marriage. There was a machlekes Rav and Shmuel whether a girl that's in the same situation of mian, so she is an orphan who's rabbinically married. But if she, if the husband initiates the divorce, does she have aksuba? So Shmuel says that she does. Rab says she does not. So then we said, and Shmuel's lishitasai because Shmuel listed a whole slew of differences between a girl who does mian and a girl who gets divorced. So says the Gemara, my kamash What's the chiddush of that of that teaching? He listed that a woman who does mian is not possible from kahuna, is not possible from the achim but a woman who gets divorced is, and, and all these distinctions. And the question is, it's all all of this is Pashit. All of it is a Mishnah. Tanina Kula, they're all Mishnayis in Yivamis. The Mishnah says in Yivamis, Hamamen is Be'ish, if a girl does Mion, he's allowed to marry her relatives, she can marry his relatives, because it's, it's as if they were never married. And she's not possible kuhuna, and doesn't get. However, if the husband divorces her, all these halachas. So why is Shmuel teaching all this? It's already a Mishnah. So the answer is, the only thing that was a real chiddush from Shmuel, the chiddush of Shmuel is the last teaching that he said, which we said in yesterday's daf, which is that if a girl does me and she's allowed to remarry within three months, as opposed to a girl who gets divorced, that she's not allowed to marry within three months. So that's the distinction. Okay, so we had a machleg as Rav and Shmuel, whether a girl who gets divorced from that rabbinic marriage, does she need a get? And the explanation for the machleikas, we said, was, according to Rav, the reason why she does not need a get is because it's not a real marriage. It's the Torah allows them to be together, beheter, but it's not a marriage. It's the, I'm sorry, the Rabbonin allow them to be together, um, meaning, basically, every girl that's under bat mitzvah, it's not a real marriage. It's the Torah, it's the Rabbanon required Mion, but it's not a marriage. It's basically boyfriend-girlfriend beheter. And even Mion, it's not like it's needed to sever the relationship. It's Chazal, for whatever reason, decided that in order to make it look like they're not, you know, in order to make women not like a Zaina, so you have to have something to sever it, but it's not a marriage. According to Shmuel, it is a marriage. It's a rabbinic marriage. So the Gemara says, This machloik is Rav and Shmuel. Whether it's a marriage and whether she requires a Ksuba, is really a machlekes tanoim. Now we're going to have a machlekes Rav Eliezer and Rav Yeshua. Now this machlekes Rav Eliezer and Rav Yeshua is mamish deshaila of whether a marriage of a girl under bat mitzvah that's an orphan is it a marriage or is it not a marriage in halacha. Now while they don't address ksuba, the Gemara is going to say the same shaila. If you hold that it's a marriage, she gets a ksuba. If you hold not, it's not. So I think Machlegas Rav and Shmuel is the following Machlegas Tanoim. Rav Eliezer and Rav Eliezer says, Ein Maisikatana Klum. A girl that's under Bat Mitzvah that's an orphan is not a real marriage. And therefore, Ein Bailazaka Vimsiyasa. Her husband doesn't keep her lost objects that she finds. Vile Maisiyadel and the husband doesn't get her earnings. Vile Bafaris and Dereha and the husband doesn't have the right to annul her vows. Vene Yarsha. And if she dies, he doesn't inherit her. And if he's a kain, he can't go to her funeral. This is the rule. It's not a marriage at all, even rabbinically. It's that it's the Rabbonin said that she needs mian. 
in order to make it look like it's dissolving something, but the truth is it's not a marriage at all. Now, Rebbe Lazar didn't say anything about Aksuba, but obviously you can see where it's going. The Gemara is going to assume that if Rebbe Lazar feels it's not a marriage, there's no Ksuba as well. Rabbi Yeshua disagrees. He says, no, Maisa Katana Klum, it is a rabbinic marriage. And therefore, Bailai Zaka B'Mitzayasa, the husband gets to keep anything she finds. Umaisi the husband gets to have her earnings. Bafarasa the husband has the right to annul her vows. Viyarsha, the husband inherited her. the husband is allowed to go to her funeral. Now, by the way, all of these are benefits to the husband. That's significant. this is the rule. It's a rabbinic marriage. And the Chiddush is that they're rabbinic marriage. Marriage can be annulled by me, but it's a rabbinic marriage. Now, Rav Yeshua never said anything about Aksuba, but it's fair to assume that if it's a rabbinic marriage, she should get Aksuba as well. So the Gemara speaks out, Lema Rav Damek Rav Eliezer, Shmuel Damek Rav Yeshua. So it must be that Rav, who says that she gets a get, that she gets a, that she does not get Aksuba, follows Rav Eliezer, and Rav Shmuel says he gets Aksuba, follows Rav Yeshua. So the Gemara says, no. Rav Eliezer, Everyone agrees that according to Rav Eliezer, she, um, she does not get Aksuba. That's Pashan. It's not a marriage at all. The Machlaikis Rav and Shmuel is what Rav Yeshua would say. The Machlaikis is what Rav Yeshua would say. Now, Rav Yeshua said it's a marriage, and he said that therefore the husband gets her earnings, inherits her, goes to her funeral, all benefits. So the assumption is, well, if it's a marriage and all benefits, he'll have to give her Aksuba. The Shaila is, the reason why Shmuel, Rav says she doesn't get Aksuba, according to Rav Yeshua, is because Rav Yeshua, he holds it according to Rav Yeshua, it's not a full marriage, it's a marriage in incentivized, incentives only go one way, we want to incentivize a man marrying her, and therefore he gets to get all these things, but but even Rabbi Yeshua would not feel that he has to give her a ksuba, because the incentives go one direction and not two directions. That's Rav's take. Shmuel disagrees. He says, no, if it's a marriage, it's a marriage. So the Gemara says, Shmuel, Rabbi Yeshua, but Rav, I can't let him Rabbi Yeshua hasam didali didei. Am didali didali. Sorry. That Rabbi Yeshua, Rav would say that according to Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Yeshua just says that it's that it's uh, uh, that it's a it's a it's a marriage that he gets her incentives, but that he has to give her a ksuba. We don't find that Rabbi Yeshua would say that. Okay, fine. The next halach in the Mishnah was that in these marriages, there's no belois. Belois means worn out clothing. What this means is, if she has clothing that she brought into the marriage that the husband used, a she can't charge him after the marriage is ended to pay for the worn-out clothing, and B, if there are clothing that's worn out, she doesn't get it back, he gets to keep it. Those are the two halachas. So, Amr le Rav Huna Rav Kahana. Amr le Meshayi Shmuel. Shmuel said, this halacha, that he doesn't have to pay for the worn-out clothing, and he gets to keep the worn-out clothing, is only true for Nechsei Melug. Again, Nechsei Melug is the property that's recorded, that's not recorded in the Ksuba, and the halacha by Nechsei Melug is, that Nechsei Melug is the husband gets to use it, but it's always hers. He just has rights of Paris. Says the Gemara, Shmuel said, this halacha of the Mishnah, we'll clarify, is only referring to nichse malug, but if it's tzayn barzel clothing, clothing, which means tzayn barzel is, is, um, is, um, it's written in the Ksuba, the halacha about Tzayn Barzal, is not that the husband has the right to use it. It becomes the husband's, and he has to give it back. He has to pay back the value at the end of the marriage. So that, Nechzei Malug, he has rights of usage, but it's hers. Nechzei Tzayn Barzal become his. So says Shmuel, Nechzei Tzayn Barzal, Isla, she gets it. Now that's interesting, because Nechzei Tzayn Barzal, it's his. So you'd think that he would get to keep it. The answer is no. Nechzei Tzayn Barzal, although it's his during the marriage, if the marriage ends... 
she gets it. Now, there were three cases in the Mishnah that the Mishnah said uh, she does not a- she's not able to, to get back the worn-out clothing. Mion, Ilanis, and Rabbinic Erva. Shmuel said about one of those that that halacha is only true for Nechzei Meluk, but Nechzei Tzern Barzal, she gets. Now, which one? Now, the Gemara says, Havi Baraf Papa Hai, which one of these three cases did Shmuel say that there's a distinction between Nechzei Meluk and Nechzei Tzern Barzal? Ilei Mamanes, let's go with the first one, Mion. Now, the thing about Mion, the reason why she doesn't get anything is because she ended the marriage. She initiated the ending of the marriage. Now, there's no reason to penalize her. So says the Gemara, I don't understand. If it's Mion, there should be no distinction between Nechzei Meluk and Nechzei Tzern Barzal. This is what the halacha should be. Ida Isnu, if the clothes are in existence at the time, she should get it back, right? Again, there's two halachas from this mission. If they're worn out clothing, he gets to keep, he doesn't have to give it back. And she, he doesn't have to reimburse her for wearing out the clothing. So by Mion, there should be no distinction between Nechzei Melog and Nechzei This is what the halacha should be. If the clothing are existing at the time of Mion, she should get both. Because again, there's no reason to penalize her. And if the clothing is not in existence and she wants her money back, she shouldn't get either. I don't see a distinction between Nechzei Melog and Nechzei by Mion. Okay. Let's go to the next one. Islandess, right? He married her, he finds out she's an islandess. So it's a mekach tois. So she's not able to, to, to demand it because he he married her, he did nothing wrong. So we're not going to make him pay. The Gemara says the same thing. I don't see a distinction in Nixon Malog, Nixon Barzal. Either is new, either is shockly. Now, if the clothing are in existence, she should get both. Either less new, and if they're not in existence, and the question is compensation. Does he have to pay for them? It should be the opposite. She should get nixe melug. Out of the two, which one is more at fault? The one where we give it to him and we say it's yours entirely? Or the one where we say you have right of usage? It makes more sense that for compensation he should have to pay for Nechzei Meluk, because Nechzei Meluk was never his. So out of the two, if you're going to pay for one, it makes sense. The one that you just had right of usage, you should pay back. But the one that became his, why should he have to pay? He did nothing wrong. It was his at the time. Why should he have to pay? So even if there is a distinction between Nechzei Meluk and Barzal, it should be the opposite. So the Gemara says, you're right. Rather, the distinction between Nechzei Meluk and Nechzei Barzal, that he only has to pay back for Nechzei Barzal, not Nechzei Meluk, is Ashniya is referring to Rabbinic Erva, which again, we want to penalize them. And since it's a Rabbinic marriage that Chazal were not happy, it's a Rabbinic Erva, the Rabbanon find her, they wanted to penalize her, and they wanted to penalize him. So they find her, that she can't get back compensation for the Nechzei Meluk, and they find him by making him pay for Nechzei Tzambarazel. So Shmuel said that that he's exempt from Nechzei Meluk, but he has to pay for Nechzei Tzambarazel. He says it doesn't make sense. The answer is, it's a penalty. So we're going to penalize her, that her item, meaning which is hers out of the two? Nechzei Meluk was hers the whole time. She's not going to get it. Nechzei Tzambarazel, which is his, we're going to penalize him. That, that's the halach. Okay. Omer Rav Shimi Barashi. You see from Rav Kahana, that when a husband brings, uh, the wife brings a coat into the marriage as malug, 
And we said in the Mishnah that he doesn't have to pay for it only because these are the three exceptions. But in general, the implication is that when he, if he wears out her clothing, he does have to pay for it on the average divorce. Now, what does that tell you? That tells you, now, Nechse Malug, right, he's allowed to get the payrois. He's not allowed to ruin the principal. Now, general, when there's a field, you have the field, which is the principal, and the fruit is the paris. He's allowed to have the paris. He doesn't have to pay for that, but he has to pay for the field if there's a damage to the field. Now, in this case, you see from this Mishnah that if, if, he, if she brings in a coat and he wears it and ruins it, he has to pay for it. Now, the question is, by the coat, what's the coat? There's no two things. There's just principal and paris. If it's principal, he would have to pay. If it's paris, he wouldn't have to pay. So you see from Rav Kahana that he, does, that he normally has to pay, and that's why he only doesn't have to pay in this Mishnah, but in general, he does have to pay. So what does that tell you? That tells you that a coat is considered principal, and it's not considered paris. And if you ruin it, you're ruining the principle you have to pay. So the Gemara says, I am Rav Nachman, didn't Rav Nachman say that a clothing is considered fruit and not principle, and if she wears it out, she, he doesn't have to pay? So the Gemara says, Rav Nachman, it's Rav Nachman and Rav Kahana. Okay. Fine. The Mishnah then said that these three women, again, Mion, Ilanis, and the Rabbinic Erva, do not have a ksuva. Now, the ksuva is a couple things. There's a $200 zuz, the 200 zuz that, that is every woman's right if she's a basula. That they definitely don't have. The question is, what if he wrote in the ksuva, I'm also going to give you $1,000, I'm also going to give you a car. The Tesefis, you could add as whatever you want. Do they get that? So, Amr Shmuel, Shmuel says, these women are only penalized that they don't get the actual ksuva. Abel Tesefis, the additional parts of the ksuva, Yeshlahan, they get. Okay. Tanya Mihachi, the Bryce similarly states. Again, because those are considered gifts that the husband wrote to her, and there's no reason why she would forfeit them. Tanya Mihachi, the Bryce similarly states that these three women, while they don't get their regular ksuba, they get their tesefes. The Bryce says, Noshim Shamru Chachomim Ein Lahem Ksuba. These women that do not get a ksuva, like the case of our Mishnah, they get the additional part of the ksuva, as you see from the Bryce, very clearly, the only thing they forfeit is the main ksuva itself, but the tesefes they get. What about the women, now this, we'll just finish the Bryce, what about the women that forfeit their ksuva? Women that go off the derech, if a woman goes off the derech, she's not Shem Shabbos anymore, the Allah is that the husband divorces her, he doesn't have to pay the ksuba. These women, they don't receive the additions to the ksuba as well, it was penalized that they lost everything. The kol came on Okay, then the Bryce continues, what if a woman committed adultery without uh, witnesses? Obviously, you can't, uh, with, well, let's say one witness, so you can't give her the death penalty, or nowadays where there is no death penalty. So the halach is the marriage ends, and she doesn't get her ksuba. Such a woman, while she doesn't get her ksuba, she takes her nirse malug. The nirse malug, which is always hers, that she does get. Okay? This backs up Ravuna, Dam Ravuna. Zinsa. Rav Huna said, if a woman commits adultery, go to the next page, she still gets her worn-out clothing. You see that means she gets her nechsim look that are still intact. Tani tana of Nachman. Now, Abraisa was taught in front of Nachman the opposite. The Abraisa was taught, Zinza, if a woman commits adultery, she loses her worn-out 
clothing, she doesn't get it. Now that's not what we said. So Amalei Rav Nachman said, Im Nachman said, I understand that she committed adultery. The clothing didn't commit adultery. Meaning, why? Why does she? Why did the clothing get taken away? So therefore, it was changed. The price it was changed. She didn't forfeit her clothing. That price that was originally taught in front of Nachman that she loses her nichsim elug that was following her Menachem Stimsoa. But the change that she keeps her nechzim alug that follows the shita the chacham. Okay, now we said in the Mishnah that there are some women that forfeit ksuba. One is an islandess, but we said if he was aware that she's an islandess, then she gets ksuba. Then the Mishnah, the end, said if an almana marries a kain gadol, she gets ksuba as well. So the Gemara clarifies: Am Ravuna, islandess isha ve'ina isha. In islandess, whether an islandess gets a ksuba is subjective, as I said, and the Gemara is going to speak it out. It depends. If he was aware that she was an islandess when they got married, he knew what he was getting himself into. It's not a mekachtoy, she gets a ksuba. If he's not aware, if he was not aware, then it's a mekachtoy, she doesn't get a ksuba. So it's subjective. But almana, takayin gadol, isha gemura, always gets a ksuba, no matter what. Whether he's aware that she was an almana or not. Meaning, even if he married her thinking she was an almana and he finds out she's an almana, she still gets a ksuba. So the Gemara speaks it out. Islandess is shavenish, and islandess is subjective, meaning hikerba. If the husband was aware of her status when they got married, yeshaksuba she gets aksuba. Loi hikerba. If he was not aware, so it's a mekachtois ain loksuba she does not get aksuba. Amana isha gemura. However, an amana always gets aksuba, meaning bein hikerba, bein loi hikerba yeshaksuba. Whether he was made aware, whether he was not made aware, she always gets her aksuba. Now. Now, the, I think the reason is that an islandess is someone that the average man wouldn't want to marry, so it's a mekach tois. But in Gadol Tanah besides for the Isser, it's not, uh, it's not something the average person would be repulsed by. So therefore, it's not considered mekach tois. It's a big chiddush. Now, Rabbi Yehuda disagrees. He says, no, achazu, achazu, isha ve'ina isha. Hikr ba'yesh l'ksuba, le hikr ba'yin l'ksuba. Rabbi disagrees. He says, no, an almanah kain Gadol is like an islandess. If he was made aware and they got married and he did it anyway, then she gets a ksuba. But if he was not made aware, then it's it's considered a mekach tois, and because it's a mekach tois, she forfeits her ksuba. Okay. So you have a machloikes, if he was not aware of it and then he married her, whether he's a ksuba. Makes me have a kasha. There's a kasha on Rav Huna. Rav Huna again says that an almanata kohengadol always gets a ksuba. The kasha is like this. The b'risa says, Kansa b'chezka shikain. If a kohengadol marries a woman thinking that she's an almana, v'nimza shikain, and she is an almana, yesh l'ksuba. So far, so good. What's the implication? Again, Rav Huna feels that no matter what, whether he's aware of it or not, she always gets a ksuba. This b'risa states she gets a ksuba when he knew she was an almana. What's the implication? Hastama. If you marry a woman without knowing her status, ain't ksuba, and then you find out she's an almana, you don't get a ksuba. So, one, so you said that she always gets a ksuba. That's not what the b'risa says. The b'risa implies that she only gets a ksuba if you were aware of it before you got married. So the Gemara says, no. When the b'risa says she gets a ksuba, it's loitema hastama ain't luxuba, el ema consebecheska shene kane, minisa shikane ain't luxuba. Meaning, the answer is like this. When Ravuna said that she gets a ksuba, that's talking about a case where either he was aware that she was an almana or he just didn't, he, he never mentioned it. But if he, if she said, I'm not an almana, 
So when the Brisa says, the Brisa indicates, right? The Brisa says she gets a ksuba if he was aware. So the implication is Stam doesn't get a ksuba. The answer is no, Stam, she does get a ksuba. When does she not get a ksuba? When he, she told him, I'm not, I'm not Almana, I'm, I'm not a widow. And then she turns out to be a widow. Then obviously that's a Mecca because she told him otherwise. Okay. Meaning, Ravuna is saying, I'm still right. That a woman, if you marry Stam without stipulating what she is, she turns out to be an Almana, you get Aksuba. The only time you don't get Aksuba is when she deceived him. So the Gemara says, El Stama. So what would the Halacha be? Stama, meaning you don't mention anything. My Isla, she gets Aksuba. So the question is, so why didn't the Brises say that? Why did the Brises say she only gets Aksuba when, when he knew that she was an Almana before? Tell me a bigger Chiddush. She says she gets Aksuba when you don't know anything. And I'll definitely know if he was awa- made aware. Isla Adetani, Bechezka Shikain, Minim Sashikain Yeshaksuva, Lishmin Stam, Kol Shikain Hatam, Brysa should say that. Another Kasha, according to you, that you're saying a woman Stam gets a Ksuba, not just when you're made aware of it. Oitani, the Brysa clearly states not like this. Another Brysa. The Brysa says, Konsa Biyadua, if a Kohen marries a widow knowing she's a widow, Minim Sashikain, and she turns out to be with Yeshaksuva. Konsa Stam, if you marry a widow without any knowledge of her status, and then you find out she's a Ksuva, a widow, ain't no Ksuva. No Ksuva. That's not like Ravuna. Tiyuf to the Ravuna. Ravuna is rejected. Now, why did Ravuna make his opinion? Obviously, he's rejected, but where, where did the mistake come from? Rav Huna, Rav Huna was confused by our Mishnah, because the Mishnah says, Who The Mishnah only makes a distinction about ma- making aware that if you're made aware, you get a ksuba, if not, not, by an islandist. So he thought the fact that the Mishnah specifically spoke this out by an islandist implies that Afghan islandist, there's a distinction, but when it comes to Amanulika and Gadol, you always get a ksuba. But it's not true. When the Mishnah said Almana, it means it's the same halach as an islandess. Okay, we'll start the Mishnah. Let's do a little of a Gemara. The Mishnah says like this The Mishnah is talking about a widow who has a child and she's remarrying, or a divorcee who has a child. And the second husband, before he gets married, accepts to support the daughter financially for five years. The Allah is, basically, he has to pay for five years, regardless of whether they get divorced, regardless of whether she remarries, regardless of whether the girl gets married, it doesn't matter. If you accept to support someone for five years, yeah, it's a chiv, it's like a debt. The Mishnah says, Hanoi says, if you marry a woman, Upaskima, and you stipulate with uh, with the woman, Kadesha Yazan is Bita Chameshanim, that you'll take care of feed her daughter for five years. Chameshanim, you have to pay for five years. Nizis Laacher, if you divorce the woman and she marries someone else, Upaskima, and then she gets another man to stipulate for five years. So now this daughter has two men who agreed to support her for five years. You know what the Allah is? They both have to support her for five years. They can't split it. He can't say, well, uh, you know, I'm not married to her anymore. He can't say, she's got someone else. You chiv, you have accepted a debt upon yourself, you have a chiv. Chayv lezayna. Lo yeim the first person can't say, I'll only feed her if she if she's here, meaning I'm only going to feed her when I'm married to the mother. No. You have to send the money to her. And the two husbands, meaning the ex-husband and the new husband, can't say, we'll split it. No. One has to pl- supply her with food, and one has to give her the money for food. They both have to pay. Nisus, if the girl marries, 
then the husband obviously has to support her, like any other husband or wife. But they still have to pay. Mesu, if both stepfathers die, and now she wants to collect the debt, the halacha is that if someone dies, right, his daughters get support from, um, there's no lien on the property for the support, but this girl who's being paid for five years, there's a lien on the property because she's like any other balchayv. So she could collect the debt, even in, in mortgage properties. Now, see, here's the problem. So you have a girl, you have a woman who you want to marry, and she says, please support my daughter for five years. And the problem is, you're going to get divorced. You're going to still have to pay. So how do you avoid this? So the smart people would write this. They would say, They would say, I'll support your daughter for five years on condition that we're married all five years. So the second you, you get divorced, you don't have to pay anymore. Okay, that's the mission. Let's start the Gemara. Itmar. We'll start a halacha, we'll see how it's related to our Mishnah. If one says to his friend, I owe you a mana. So he admits that he owes someone a mana because of a previous debt. It's whether he has to pay. So the Gemara says, well, what's the case? The halacha is, if you admit to a debt, it only works if you appoint witnesses that see the admission. So if he says in front of witnesses, you're my witnesses that I am admitting to the debt. So my time with the a potter. So why does Rishagar say you don't have to? You have witnesses. There's no witnesses there. My time the halach is you don't have to pay to Sugi and Sanhedrin and Davchavtes that you don't have to pay unless you have witnesses ready. So so what, what exactly is the machlokes about? So the the answer is The case is not where you said there's no witnesses. So why 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 does Rav Yechon say You wrote the chiyav down in a document. Rav Yechon says Having a star is the equivalent of having edim, and you have to keep your word. Rishlakish disagrees. He says no. A star is not the equivalent of edim. We'll stop here. We'll pick it up after Shabbos.